Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Working Comic Podcast. Uh, this week, I interviewed a comedian, mathematician, and unofficial world record breaker for doing the most consecutive nights of comedy shows in a row. Uh, Sammy Obeyed. Uh, Sammy Obeyed is a very talented man, and we talk about a lot of cool stuff in this interview, such as structuring your day as a comedian, uh, lessons from a thousand and one nights of comedy in a row, taking care of yourself. Hosting a math show on a major network, and we also geek out a bit about math because he's a math major, and it's really interesting to see how something as seemingly unrelated as math uh, really influences his comedy and makes him very unique. So, without further ado, I hope you guys enjoy. Thanks. Sweet. Well, hey guys, welcome back to Working Comic Podcast. I'm here with Sammy Obeyed. An impressive comic. He's done a 1,001 uh, comedy performing streak in a row, 1,001 nights of comedy in a row. He was on Conan during that time period, America's Got Talent. Uh, now he's touring colleges and working on uh, cool TV stuff. Thanks for doing the podcast, man. Thanks for having me. Of course. How's, uh, how's your day going? It's been a great day so far. I really can't complain. Yeah, doing yeah. a lot of uh, comedy during the day, or how do you how do you structure your your days like usually? Uh, I well lately I've been trying to work out first thing in the morning. So, um, and I mean I have done that many times in the history, but like I'm trying to like make that the thing now instead of working out later in the day to do it right when I get up. That's cool. So I try to get up um, a little bit before sunrise. So just right now, like at 6 a.m. I try to get up at 6 and then, um, you know, go get to the gym as fast as possible. I'm at the gym for like an hour. Then I come back. I got to do some stretching, some like yoga and then some meditation, some breathing exercises, kind of nice. get myself centered. And then um, and then I'll, you know, I'll, I, I want to have some kind of breakfast. Lately, I've been making, I've been taking a pineapple, just chopping it up and blending it, just drinking straight Same up every day. pineapple. Just the last four days. I okay. Mean, you, you know, I'm trying to stay current. Um, and then, um, and then, uh, and then, yeah, lately I've been, I've been making coffee too, I've been making some coffee. Nice. Make my, make coffee or tea. Like you not know. cure it? Are you like into the coffee making are you doing like special things? no i'm just I, I just do drip but it's like it's like legit coffee it's like organic and um okay you know, fair trade and you know i smell it and make sure it's like potent yeah i'm not just like i'm not just getting like shitty Folgers. i mean the smell is the best part i think oh it is it's it's yeah it is it's everything that's i have you i just, have a bit about that where it's like Coffee smells amazing. It doesn't taste as good as it smells. I know. You just, I like, honestly, part of the reason I buy coffee is just so I can put it in a cabinet and then have my, that cabinet smell like coffee. It, it really. Because it's like really happy. It really, I, I'll cabinet. pay for the smell of coffee. It's a great smell. Yeah. So that's cool. It sounds like you really thought through your morning routine. Yeah. Yeah. Which so, is cool. That's, a, I feel like that's a really important thing for your day. It really gets you going. Gets me grounded. Gets me started out on the right foot. And then um, once I have gotten some, like once I have my first, you know, bite or drink or whatever, then I open up the laptop, open up the phone. All that stuff is turned off completely until usually 8 or 9 a.m. So do you gym without music? No, I use an iPod. 
Oh wow! I don't take the really? phone. I, I don't know how people go with their phones to the gym. I think it's, it's really insane. distracting. Yeah, I just, always just, I see people just sitting there on their phone. I'm like, get the fuck out! I'm trying to I'm trying to use this. Yeah, I, I don't understand it. So I don't use my phone at the gym, and I don't I, I make sure my phone is completely turned off when I go to bed all the way through like eight eight nine a.m. That's great. Yeah, that's really healthy. Yeah. Were you always like this? Uh, like what? Like exactly? <laughs> like uh, meticulous about your routine and meditating? Like it sounds very LA esque. On and off. I mean, on and off. Like I'll have I'll have fuck it days. Completely fuck. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, and but I've I've always been somewhat meticulous as a person, but um, I've always been very like health conscious and very um, routine oriented. That's really cool. Yeah, yeah, a lot of my. Like most effective friends that like whether they're doing like comedy or anything like yeah. everyone has like a morning routine. Um, I was I listen to a lot of the, like Tim Ferriss podcast. Have you ever hear that podcast? Uh, no. Okay, but, yeah. but he just like interviews a lot of like super successful like athletes and sure. entrepreneurs and stuff like that and entertainers and everyone like meditates and yeah has their thing in the morning. And I think the working out in the morning is is has been influenced a lot by those kinds of people because. Not only do I see how successful they are, but it's it's also just I sleep much better when I work out in the morning. Yeah. How do you do that? I actually, you're the only um, comedy person I've encountered who wakes up that early, actually. How do you do that? Uh, well, lately I just haven't been doing a lot of shows. I think that's what it is. I mean, because honestly, if I was out doing... I mean, back in the day, I, I was, you know, always out to like midnight, 1 a.m. Yeah. Late spots. I don't, I don't live that life anymore. I have my shows set up. Nice. Eight o'clock, nine o'clock shows. Obviously, if I'm doing a club weekend, that's another thing. But even, even in that case, I still gravitate towards waking up around 6 a.m. Wow. It's just, just how it's been. Um, I, I realize at some point, like, if I can sleep six solid hours in a row, I feel great. I don't need any more. I don't need any less. Really? Six? Yeah. Six is amazing. I don't know why everybody's like, oh, I gotta get eight hours. Like you're fucking I, pampered. You really? I can't function on six. I'm so fatigued. My I friends, I have friends that get ten, and they're like, if I get eight, I can't function. I don't get it. If I if I sleep for ten hours, I mean, don't if get I me wrong, it feels hours, amazing depressed. to sleep for a long time, but it's like it's for me, it's the opposite. You, I, I get more lethargic and really, yeah, oversleeping. Yeah, it's a thing. That's I think a lot of people, I think too many people oversleep, but I, I think a lot of people undersleep too. So it's whatever. It's, it's hard, man. You got to find your medium. Six hours is a good amount to be. I feel like yeah, really because, efficient. Also, yeah. Well, because done. if I sleep ten amazing hours one night, and then the next night I have insomnia because I'm so caught up on sleep, I'm like, well, fuck. I could have just gotten five and five. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I don't know. Insomnia is rough. A lot of comics have insomnia, and it's like, oh, that just that sucks. Um, well, that's cool. I, I was reading that you, you're a mathematician as well as a comedian. I was a math major. Oh, nice. I am somewhat of a mathematician, yes. Do you still, <clears throat> did you do math things before you did comedy? Like, how did that? I was a math teacher. Really? I was a math teacher, math tutor. For high schools or colleges or What's what? What's that? For uh, high school math. A little bit of everything, actually. It was high school, some college students I was mentoring, tutoring, elementary. Um, I, I was doing, I was teaching at a, um, it was like kind of an after-school program that does like SAT prep and nice. a place where like um, 
parents put their kids to learn even more stuff. So like I was oh, teaching, like the advanced kids. Yeah, so I was teaching like sixth graders calculus. Oh my god, like that. really? Yeah. So like the gifted. Kids. Yeah, I gifted some gifted, but then I was also doing some tutoring for like the people who were like behind. And yeah, yeah. A nice little mix of everything. I did a lot of tutoring too. I used to have like a tutoring service when like high school and college where I would like just tutor people in my town. It's a great uh, millennial like for job. math and stuff. That's cool. Yeah, I also did uh, tech stuff, computer science. Yeah, interesting. Cool. Comedy and tech people out there. Well, so statistically, it was only a matter of time. I know. There are, especially uh, with the, the tech roast, I am encountering so many comedians that are just like working in tech. Like mm-hmm. it's great as well. Yeah. Obviously, Bay Area is like yeah. crazy like that. Right. Um, well, um, I want to talk about like uh, how did you first get into doing comedy? Uh, I tried comedy in college on the um, suggestion of a professor. Really? Yeah. He suggested that I try stand up right away. Because he said I was a natural. So in what, like, how were you even, like, how would a professor see you as, like, where, how were you being funny to him? Uh, it was a public speaking class. Oh, okay. So I would give speeches that weren't intended to be funny and everybody would laugh. And this is, this was already something that had been happening my whole life. I had discovered, I think in the sixth grade, that I had a public speaking talent and that I could make people laugh in that setting. I was always kind of a weird kid that I, I like make people laugh when I was even younger, but like I didn't discover like the, oh, I can stand in front of a room and make people laugh until sixth grade. Though, one time I made a kid laugh on the playground in second or third grade and he said, you should be a comedian. Really? Yeah. That's really helpful, I feel like. Yeah. Like those little things when you're little, like someone telling old. you that, yeah. that definitely like changes how you think about yourself. Yeah, I mean, although uh, I didn't, like, at the time, I was like, oh, that's dumb. Like, I wouldn't do that. Yeah. Comedy's stupid. That's interesting. But, um... Do you think part of it, it, like, stuck with you? Yeah, I mean, it, it, it all... Because it kept coming back. People would tell me, like, in high school, oh, you should be a comedian, you should be a comedian. And then finally this professor said it. And I was like, oh, well, this guy knows what he's talking about. So I'm gonna try it. That's awesome. Yeah, I only, I only take notes from people in academia. So, when you were in, uh college did you was there like comedy outlets at your school like clubs and stuff like that where you can perform uh c- comedy like in my stand in my or, high school or, or your college oh my college yeah uh yeah i mean uc berkeley you know definitely had i'm sure they had an open mic i'm sure they had i mean they had a um comedy magazine that like i took like a class for and um like submit some things but they never got published but i mean undoubtedly they had people doing comedy there i just never got a part of that scene i i, I did it on my own mm-hmm. just out in sf yes nice Correct. yeah cool was it uh difficult to start like uh ingratiate in the scene as a, a college kid do you feel like well i took what i did was the professor he knew a guy who taught comedy classes in SF so I took the comedy class and the guy who booked the comedy class put me on a show right away oh wow that's great that's super helpful I didn't even have to finish the class first oh nice yeah so um and you were doing well did you like 
off the bat? Like, well, everybody could tell that I was funny, but I didn't have an act. Yeah, I, I, um, I, I want, I, I didn't want to do like a like a regular boring stand-up act. Like to me, that just seems so tired. So I, um, I did a character. I dressed up in all black and I wore gloves. And I just did, like, a really weird character. Really? Yeah. What was the premise of that character? The premise was just, like, I'm, I'm a weird, like, I'm a weird guy. You don't, you can't trust me. You don't know, you don't know what my motives are. That's funny. And, I mean, I was 19 years old, so it was, like, it was a weird, yeah. weird coming from a 19-year-old. That's cool, though. Yeah, I mean, I wish somebody had a tape of it. <laughs> the weird stuff is so funny. My friend was showing me, like, um... Was it uh, Jim Carrey's like first late night set on Carson, mm. where he goes up and he like he does like an Elvis impression, and it's just he does it very it's very strange. Yeah, uh, have you seen this? Uh, I don't think I have. It's actually. Like I look so it weird. Like yeah. he just like gets into this Elvis impression and it's like kind of cringy, and mm-hmm. then he's like really good at singing, and then at yeah. the end he's like, I was him and it was just like so weird yeah but like he was like really young i think he was like 21 or something yeah. it was just like oh it's cool like people liked it because no one was doing that kind of right thing. right right so yeah, people like appreciate that, that kind of stuff that's cool which is cool um wait so how long have you been doing comedy now 12 years 12 years nice um and i and every time i like uh like look you up uh the big thing that comes up is the 1001 mm-hmm. nights of comedy mm-hmm. uh what like motivated you to do 1001 nights of comedy in a row i just want to get better i wanted to be as good as i possibly could i wanted to know that i wasn't missing opportunities to be as good as i possibly could yeah so by not missing a night i knew it was like well i'm not I'm not i'm not i'm not i can't be doing anything you know it can't be doing any more yeah that's crazy i mean like didn't you get sick and stuff like i did and you just still go the the colds and flu that was never really a problem really yeah there was a couple nights where i had like a pounding headache and like a fever but there's only a few of those nights and they weren't that bad wow yeah that's impressive yeah i mean you isn't that the world world record well, it, like it technically is. I mean, the, first of all, there's no legitimately, like I didn't legitimately establish it. There's yeah. no, like, you know, like I submitted to Guinness Book, but they were going to charge me like $100,000. What? They mm-hmm. charge you $100,000? Yeah, because they would have to send out one of their appraisers to see me do comedy every day, and it just wasn't going to be worth it. And um, I think that there are a few people who would contest that I'm the only one who's ever done that before. But nobody else can prove that they did it. And honestly, in my soul of souls, I believe that I'm the only one who did stand up a thousand and one nights in a row because it makes you fucking insane. And yeah. Did it make you insane? Yes. In what way? Uh, I mean, it just drove me crazy. I'm at the end of the end, like the last hundred, 200 days, I was having anxiety attacks every day. Really? I was having a mental breakdown. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Um, Are you already prone to anxiety? Not until then. (laughs) I was like, I I have anxiety attacks occasionally now. They're only, they just feel like aftershocks from that time period. Wow. I never had anxiety before that. 
That's crazy. Yeah. So I, I, I mean, <clears throat> it definitely tested me mentally and physically. And, um, yeah, I don't know. I just, I can't imagine anyone else doing it and coming out. Like, okay. Yeah. Like, okay. Yeah. Do you, so so I, you still feel like you're kind of like actually uh, fucked up from that? Yeah. Like, I mean, I'm for, I, I try not to think about that, but like, you know, I often be like, you know, I've like, things have just been different since then, but whatever. I mean, I've, I, there's, there's a lot of good things in my life right now. And there's been a lot of good things over the last few years, but occasionally I dip into these kind of dark places that only exist because of that time period. Really? Yeah. Wow. Okay. Should we not go further? And I that, don't care. Okay. I don't care. I'm not afraid of anything. Okay. I can't be afraid of anything, but periodically when I have, you know, everybody has their down moments. Yeah. You know, when I drift into that place, it's a place that was established in the thousand days. Whoa. It didn't exist before that. Really? Yeah. Was it just, I mean, like, I imagine it must have been hard to maintain relationships of, like, friends and stuff during that kind of time. Because you're only doing stand-up, so you had to, like, kind of, like, decline everything, right? Yeah, yeah, I mean... For three years. Yeah, I already was, like, I've always kind of been someone who doesn't hang out a lot, like... I minimize. I'll go to your party for five minutes. You know, I've always just been, to like show that. You yeah, I've always been that kind of person. But yes, I was hanging out less. But I had time. I had time to stop at people's functions if I, you know, if I was in the area and stuff. Um, uh, I didn't. I didn't. You know, I don't. I didn't lose any friends per se. A lot of friends were very supportive of what I was doing. Yeah, that's. Cool. Um, I did lose a relationship, but that was. I mean, that's kind of expected. Yeah, it's like. It's very hard yeah. to maintain during that. Yeah. Um, was it difficult to, like, keep coming up with material during that time? Yeah, it was at the end. Um, in the beginning, I was writing like crazy. In the middle, I was writing like crazy. I was on a roll. And then when the real depression hit in the last year, I couldn't write a joke for the life of me. So 2013, which was the last year I was doing it, um, I have virtually no material from 2013. Really? Because I just couldn't write a joke. That's hard. But I was very polished. Extremely polished. The The old material got very polished, but couldn't write a new joke. Interesting. So a lot of your time you would spend, like, so were you doing like a mix of mics and shows? Yeah. Yeah, I was going to, doing much. a good mix of mics and shows, yeah. Okay, so did you have a, like, strategy for like what you're going to do like every time you want to like a mic or a show where you're like i want to you know work on this body of material so hopefully it can be like part of my hour or something yeah yeah i mean every before every mic or show if i have time which i the goal is to have time but it doesn't always happen that way i make the set right out the set here's the things that i want to do here's the new ones i want to try here's the new tags i want to do Here's the jokes that I know work that I want to make sure they work better, mm-hmm. get them tighter, try this new order. That's yeah, it. just stuff like that. Yeah. Um, yeah, because lately I've just been like toying with like really being more meticulous about what I'm working on and what my intention is like when I go to a mic because it's Use so your time wisely. Not... You're going to wait in line. You're going to sign your name. You're going to sit through an hour of open mic comedy and then when you're up there you're not going to use your time as wisely as possible i know it's like it doesn't make sense it doesn't make sense yeah so i don't know 
I recently started this method, which I think is working for me right now. Mm-hmm. But um, after I record my set, I'll um, I'll duplicate the recording on my iPhone, and then you can like chunk. I'll just like trim each joke, and then each joke has its own uh, like little note on my phone, and then I can literally just with the date. And then the joke title have every iteration of it and then like go back and hear each version of the same joke and see how it changes over time. Cool. Yeah. So I'm trying to do that because I don't know, I was kind of going like crazy, not, I don't, I don't know. I feel sometimes I'll feel so aimless mm-hmm. going to mics. Did you ever feel like that? Like, like it was aimless or did you, like, did you always have a clear? No, I don't think I've ever in a, for a moment doubted how a mic or any stage time that I did was useful. There was times where I was like, oh, I I would have been happier if I just stayed in bed, you know, if I just stayed at home with, instead of doing this particular show. But I never say, oh, that was useless. Never. Everything is everything is useful. Every moment you make a noise on stage, it's paying forward to something else. Really? That's an interesting... Yes. Unless you're a complete idiot and you just waste your time. Yeah. So... Because, I mean, you, I guess you would very intentionally, um, when you're on stage, like, work on a new tag. Yeah. Because, I mean, at least with me, I have a very good memory. I don't know how other people operate. Well, my memory is, my memory is weird. It's like, I have this very photographic memory, especially of times when I'm on stage. And when I'm doing a stand-up performance and I'm in the middle of a joke, I'm remembering sequences of events before, of times that I did this bit or crowds that I had and when I'm feeling something similar and what I learned from that based on their reaction and it's all it becomes muscle memory really so those moments that I spent on stage where I learned something that I learned something about people I learned something about myself it all factors into my performance right now that's awesome it's like <laughs> what's well, how it should powerful be powerful AI or yeah, something. Yeah, just well, like I mean, I think that that's I think I think everybody has that on some level. It's just whether you're conscious of it or not. And the more conscious you are of it, I think the better. That's awesome. So, would you also record all your sets? I do. I try to. Okay. Very interesting. And um, so, what does your uh, stand-up regiment look like now? So now that I mean, I guess that's a couple years ago. Right. That, Six years ago. Well, I'm definitely taking the most nights off I've ever taken in my career right now. I'll go certain weeks. I'll go. I'll go three, four, five nights off. Um, the reason I do that is because I spend my time wisely. I spend my time as as most efficiently as possible now. Like if I can do two full hours in a week, and I'm trying out a shit ton of new material, and those other five days I'm not just like fishing. I'm like writing. Like doing other I'm stuff for comedy. Taking care of myself. Yeah, I've realized how important taking care of myself is. Like when I don't do that, when I neglect that, because I just want to I'll book five shitty road shows in a row and I'll go do them because I'm like, oh, I get getting my stage time and my 50 bucks. You know, but I'm like, I didn't need to do that. I didn't need the money. Um, the stage time wasn't that great. I didn't have enough time to write and prepare material. So I really didn't get a lot out of it other than just straining myself and driving till 3 a.m. Yeah. which is not good for me. I don't need to be doing that anymore. So now I've scaled all that stuff down and I focus on quality. So, um, so yeah, I mean, the stand-up regimen is such. I mean, when I'm on the road, I'm on the road. I'm trying to maximize my time on stage as much as possible when I'm, on, when I'm out. When I'm in LA, I take a lot of nights off. And if I have um, 
if I have some new material that I'm burning to get out, I'll, I'll go do a mic. I'll go do a local mic. I'll work it out. Um, other than that, I have my spots here in in LA that give me love, and I and I and I go to those places. That's awesome. Yeah, I mean that sounds good. Definitely focusing on your health and wellness first. Um, I think yeah. that's so important because, I, you know, if you're focusing on your fitness and your health, then you can it'll enable you to be funnier. Yeah, and it's something that you generally don't have to think about that much in your twenties. When I was in my twenties, I could just do I could perform eight nights a week and you know, feel fine. Yeah. Um, in my thirties now, it's not how I feel anymore. It's just, I gotta, I gotta actually focus on health. Mm-hmm. And, um, I think it's important to start that early because if you don't, you will eventually, you know, it's like burn out or yeah, something. burn out or fuck yourself over or get some kind of disease because <sighs> you were not being healthy. Yeah. And it's really easy to be unhealthy yeah. as a comedian, especially you're going to all these bar shows, you're staying up late, right. you're not exercising, you're, I don't know, drinking beer a lot, yeah. eating burgers and fries. At yeah. The venues serve that kind of food. Yeah. Not to mention mental health. Very, very important thing in our in our um, industry. It's rampant, uh, mental yeah. health issues in comedy. Yeah. And physical health precedes mental health. So you take care of your body, your mind will be good, and you, know, you do meditate, you do all that stuff, and you take some nights off, and you focus on yourself, and you have good healthy habits and good healthy people around you, then you'll be okay. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. I love the Headspace app. Yes. I use that a lot. And they specifically, I was using the anxiety one yeah. today, and it's actually really helpful, that one. It has, like, this thing, like, noting. Mm-hmm. When you, like, when your mind wanders off, you're like, mm-hmm. you note. Is it a feeling or a thought? Yeah, yeah. And then um, it's really helpful. Okay, I'll check that out. Yeah, because um, I'm, like, most comedians pr- prone to anxiety as well. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Because everyone's, I mean, what the? F- was my phone? Mm-hmm. My little SpongeBob thing? Okay. Um... But yeah, like most comedians, I'm definitely prone to anxiety. I, I don't know. I think it's just something about comedians. The nature of a comedian is someone who's probably really analytical anyway. Mm-hmm. And being yeah. overly analytical, you turn it inwards and then right. you're just thinking all the time and like it, it's right. hard. Right. So yeah, definitely recommend Headspace or something equivalent. Okay. There's definitely free things too. Check it out. Um <clears throat> So during your that uh, 1001 Days, I saw that you were on America's Got Talent and like Conan. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. How did that happen? Or I, either one, whatever you want to talk about first. Uh, America's Got Talent, a friend referred me to a producer and they set up an audition for me and I auditioned and then I made it through all the phases and I got on the show. Oh, nice. <laughs> um, Conan, a friend of mine who was on the show, Help me send a tape to the booker. The booker liked the tape. Oh, we he went works over on that it. show. And um, then we um, we set a date because I, I was finishing the thousand days, and that helped him be like, "Oh, we'll have you as you finish your thousand days." So that worked out really nicely. That's awesome. Yeah, that was the most concise answer ever. I feel like a lot of people must have asked you. Yeah, that stuff. no, I, t- I, t- I tell <laughs> all really these stories it. over and over and over again. I try to find the most efficient way to tell them every time. That was super efficient. Less words every time. Yeah, some yeah. people answer very uh, long yeah. things, yeah. but that's cool. Yeah, it's basically um, you're good and you knew them, helped get your. Yeah, yeah that's always a, you know you hey, have to be good a enough. person. Knowing a person is very helpful. Yeah, that's sweet. Um, yeah, it was really cool. We were talking very briefly about like um, your own series that you're mm-hmm. working on right mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. How's that? Like, what's that about? I mean, however much you want to talk about. Yeah, no, that's fine. I'm happy to talk about this. I mean, it's um, it's five years in the making now. 
Um, it's a kind of a show concept that I've been toying around with since about since 2013, actually. Wow. Five and a half years ago. Um, as a math major, um, you know, I, I see the world mathematically and um, I do math humor in my, my stand up. So naturally, people have asked me, when are you going to do your math comedy show? And, you know, so the seeds have been planted for this five, six years ago. And there's been many forms, many iterations of it. Um, I had three development deals. I had one with Sony. Um, I had a pilot with True. We shot the pilot. They passed. This was in 2017. Oh, nice. I was in holding for like a year for a development deal. So um, a lot of waiting, a lot of um, not wanting to do it on my own because waiting for the right production so I could do it big and do it great. And there was moments in the last six years where I was like, oh, this is about to be on TV in a year. Never happened. Never went through. Um, so at the, at the beginning of last year, I was like, oh, I, I have to do this on my own. So I came up with the name. I came up with the concept. Um, I, I mean, I, I refined the concept basically from initially what it was, what it was with the, the networks that I was pitching it to and working with. And then um, I get a call from another network, which I'm not going to name, that wanted me to audition for a show um, that uh, is on the network and is very, very similar to this show, that I, a version of really? this show that I've been pitching. So I auditioned for the show. I get the part. I'm now the host of that show. We shoot it last year. Um, it was supposed to come out earlier this year, but it, it's still in some rap phasing, so it's it's going to come out later this year. Um, and it's uh, it's essentially what I wanted to do on True TV, but True didn't really like it, so um, we didn't end up doing it. But I somehow became the host of this similar show. This similar show. Um, or a host, I should say. I'm a co-host. Uh-huh. Uh, and it's such an awesome... I mean, it's, it was such an awesome thing shooting the show and the whole thing happening. It was so surreal that that happened. So now... So then I was kind of waiting again because I was like, I, I can't... Legally can't do my, my own series because I'm contracted to, to doing this show. I can't do a similar show on Because it's own. almost like competing. Yeah. So legally I'm not supposed to. So I said, okay, now what's left? What's left from my math concept that I can do that's not part of the show that's, that's coming out this year? So after refining that and then circling back to a name that I had chosen a long time ago, actually the initial name that I was pitching it under that the networks didn't like, um, called Figure Blast, which I love. <laughs> um, Figure Blast. That's and, uh, and, and I shot the first episode a month ago. And the premise is, I take a topic, anything could be current event, could be an evergreen topic, and I break it down numerically. It's data. What the data tells us, what we can learn from this, what mathematical tools can I use to deduce even more things from it while being funny the whole time. Interesting. So you like break down like events into like proofs? To like come up with your argument, kind of, kind of like a joke as like a proof. Kind of, I mean, it's like yeah, yeah. I mean, a lot of it is logical, very logical proof reasoning, but also it's just kind of like, hey, this subtracted by this equals this. Uh huh. Like it's it's insane to me that you know we rely so much on data when we read news stories, 
but mm-hmm. nobody ever interprets the data for you in a meaningful way. Nobody ever shows you that bar graph juxtaposed to another bar graph of another thing that you could compare it to. I mean, sometimes you get this. I mean, and, but and nobody ever and no, nobody ever does any kind of math right then and there on the spot, which could tell you something very important. So, just to give away what the first episode is, um, the first episode I calculate the return on investment, the ROI of a college degree. Okay. Okay. So this is something that anybody can do with a calculator, but no, it exists nowhere on the internet. There's no videos made about this. But all you have to do, if you know the formula for ROI, it's net profit over total investment. Mm-hmm. So to know what the ROI of an associate's degree is, you take the, the net money you make from an associate's degree minus the cost you spent on that associate's degree divided by the total amount you spent on going to community college. And this data is all there. It's should, all there on the on Should the, you get the um, net amount of money you would make minus the money you'd make without the associate's degree to get so net, marginal? net implies that it is the, That's included. Yes, net implies <clears throat> that you've subtracted out every marginal piece of revenue. So for instance, you just by graduating high school, you make about one. You're expected to make about one point three million dollars in your life. Okay, by and graduating like high school. career. Yeah. Yes, and when you graduate <clears throat> community college, you're expected to make about one point seven, one point eight million dollars. Is this like net present? Is it like expected? Expected over over the current over your course of your life, you're expected to make this money over the course of your life. If you have a high school degree, just a high school degree you're expected to make at least $1.3 million. If you have just a high school degree, no college degree, you're expected to so make So just every year adding it up. $1.3 million Got over it. the course of your life. Uh-huh. Assuming, and there's, some, there's you know, some assumptions here. We have to make some assumptions. The assumptions is that people work from, you know, they're, when they graduate high school or college to about, you know, 62, 65 retirement age. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously you're expected to live that, that full time and work that full time. Um, and that's your expected lifetime income. Expected value is a statistical term. It's, you know, it basically, if you um, roll a, you know, if you flip a coin twice, you're expected to get heads once. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Same thing. It's an average. Yeah. So <clears throat> if you're expected to get $1.8 million from graduating community college, but you get 1.3 million of that just from graduating high school. That mm-hmm. means your net, the net value of an associate's degree is 0.5 million. It's half a million dollars. Yeah. Okay. And of course, you have to subtract the cost of community college, which is about 24K on average, uh-huh. and then divide it by 24K, which is your investment. And then you get your ROI, which is about $17, which means for every dollar you spend on community college, you get $17 back, which is good. It's a good ROI. Yeah, that's great. It's uh, comparable to most drug But use. then as you go up, it's probably... Yeah, so as you... I mean, I'm not going to give away what we've learned in the video, but let's just say community college is your best bet. Yeah, because I'm guessing the marginal uh, increase in education doesn't justify... Yeah, even though it doesn't seem like you make a lot of additional money doing community college, like 0.5 million doesn't seem like a lot for college. But because its cost is so low comparatively, it has the best ROI. Yeah, it's interesting. And then there's also other elements like if you do like a lengthy PhD, 
Um, you do a lengthy PhD. That's years you're not working. Years you're not working, so there's an opportunity cost. Not to mention, if you live with your parents, instead of getting dorms, instead of you know having all these additional living expenses, your ROI goes through the roof. Oh yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, because that's like half the cost. It's yes. just like living at the college. So even if you if and out of state, it's crazy. Out of state, yeah. If your listeners don't want to watch my video, I'll tell I'll just tell you right now. The best value is in doing community college, living at home with your family. Really, I'm super interested in this stuff because yep. I, I don't know. I've been re- doing a lot of um, research on investments and stuff like that. And something I keep seeing, at least with like cash flow every year, mm-hmm. is like a like net present value, like the time value of money. Yeah. Like you divide it uh, like exponentially by like mm-hmm. the um, return on the market, like the average return on the yes. market. I guess. Yeah. Um, is that something you consider in that calculation? Also, I've probably lost everything. the time value of here. money. Yeah. Uh, I made, I, I, well, because the video has to be short as possible, there was like a point where I made a note. I was like, this also doesn't include inflation and this doesn't factor in inflation. So just kind of like How a about, heuristic. Yeah, of. because if, if we did factor in time value of money and inflation, it would make a difference, though. Maybe negligible. Yeah, I mean, it, it, I guess it could be a significant difference, especially if you're you know working over that many years and if, if inflation is expected to go crazy in the next 40 years, but the result would still be the same. We'd still be able to prove that X degree is better than Y degree. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. I love that show idea. I think that's cool. really cool and definitely cool. like benefits a lot of people, especially people that are just like don't question basic. Right. I mean, that sounds so condescending. Like everyone does this. Everyone like goes to college and everyone like, there are certain examples yeah. don't question basic well, things. Well, it, it is. I mean, it is being questioned. It's just it's not being questioned in a logical way. It's like, oh, should I go to college? Because I could just, you know, start my own muffin making entrepreneur, you know, gig and just start doing that. Yeah. Okay, cool. But do the numbers. What do the numbers say? Because that would give you the best logical indication. Yeah. You know, don't just not go to college because Lil Pump didn't go to college. Yeah. Right. D- don't go to college because you actually did the math and proved that you could have a better investment. You can make mm-hmm. a better investment by doing something else. So like um, in the video also, I show that, you know, that doing a PhD, um, you know, because it's like an eight year program um, and you spend a shit ton of money on it. Yeah. You get the same return on a PhD same return as a PhD if you just put money in a standard 2% yield bond really? and wait 60 years. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. So you could just skip the PhD entirely, have that money up front, put it in a bond, and just get a normal job. Yeah. And now you've made PhD money mm-hmm. by just having that bond for 60 years. Yeah, it's so interesting. People just use like, I don't know, just like social proof as like a reason. Yeah. Like, yeah there we go. Everyone goes to college. Yeah. I mean- you're paying the premium. I was talking to my friend about this the other day. Like, education's so expensive because the premium you're paying is the prestige of saying you went to a certain school to an right. extent, and right, like right. you're maybe paying for a network. You're paying for yeah other things. What on your resume? Like the academic yeah. part is like almost very not negligible, but probably a small fraction of the value. Also, because grades and GPA doesn't mean that much. It's more about where you went, what you did, did you complete it? Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't regret my college experience because I, I like knowledge. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, if you're a lover of knowledge like me, I think you inherently like college. Then you can't measure it in terms of like 
like the value can right. be just like in tra- like fundamental. Yeah, and of course, see, there's there's life. so many non tangibles about college that you know you, you got to let your gut and your feelings make the choice. But shit, if you can actually figure on paper that the industry that you want to go into is more profitable than actually going to college, you might want to consider that. Yeah. It's interesting. I know a lot of uh, comedians definitely wrestle with this idea. A lot of my friends wrestled with the idea of dropping out. Like mm-hmm. I have a couple friends obviously went to community college and then dropped out just to do comedy. And um, it's definitely very relevant for people that want to like do this. Yeah, I mean, so I think it's just the, the the current generation too. You know, is is a lot of people are thinking about what art or what their entrepreneurial venture might be. Yeah. So it's a very it's a very timely piece, I think. Yeah, that makes sense. It's very much glorified. Not to mention, with, not to mention, like with all like the student loan debt that you know the, the, the three trillion dollars in debt and the diminishing value of a college degree because so many people are getting them and they're becoming less and less important. So, not to mention all of that. Stuff. Yeah, someone was meant. I don't know who I was talking to about this, but someone said they could see a potential like housing bubble type of issue, except with student loans. Yeah, yeah, no, that's already happening. I mean, there's already it's already a cross student like loan the economy crisis. crashing yeah. from student loans. Yeah, and honestly, I don't even know too much about student loans. I was thinking about dipping into it, but um, my friend who has his own show on Netflix, Hassan, he 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 just did a thing on student loans. It was a very good, comprehensive piece. So I I'm not even gonna touch that. Yeah, but it's like it's fucking crazy how um, out of hand the student loan debt has got. And cumulative, and I can only imagine it's getting worse. But I, 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 I hope would you know would hope that people are waking up and they're going to be changing their policies. It is scary to yeah. kind of like be twenty one years old, and then maybe if you go out of state school, and then you have like a hundred something thousand dollars in debt. Yeah, that's kind of that's crazy. It's, it's like crazy. A, it's like buying a house. Like you could buy a house in Texas, yeah, or something for that amount. Yeah, which is wild, indeed, to me. Um, but that's cool. I love that premise for a show. Thanks. That's, that's really cool. Um, I love combining like your. I mean, it makes you way more interesting than just like a run of the mill stand up comic that you have that math background. Like, it's definitely you have a, a cool audience too. For yeah, that. I mean, well, you know, I tell people this. Like, first of all, there's math lovers. So, like, it's there's so many math lovers out there who love that I do math stuff. I mean, they're they're far and few between when it comes to stand up crowds, you know, but. I tell people this, it's like there's math people and there's not math people. Half of the world is a math person. Mm-hmm. You're either a math person or a language person. That's how brains are wired. Yeah. So about half of the world is a math person, meaning our expected uh, our expected turnout for the show of potential interest is at least 50% of the world. Yeah, just some people are thinking like people that. People think, who think logically and can do math. And then there's people who don't even necessarily incline towards math, but they'll get on board with you know, following the logic and following... The arguments are just watching for the jokes at least yeah yeah that's awesome yeah that's cool do you think about this stuff like um who your market is and stuff like when you're doing shows do you have to get into that mindset not not really i mean i just kind of know it i've always we're writing the math thing i've always known for me it's just like sign after sign after sign it's like i'll be in a bar at a shitty dive bar and i'll be doing you know some dick jokes and i'll be you know making the crowd laugh and then I'll be like, hey, let's try a math joke here just to see what happens. And then it'll the room will just explode. And I'll be like, I remember I did a bar like a couple weeks ago where I was I was like, I'm not going to do any math jokes here. I'm not going to waste my time. I do the math jokes as usual. The room just explodes. And afterwards, 
this guy who's just like trash at him. He's like, dude, more math jokes, more math. I'm like, dude, <laughs> if that's not a sign that that's what I'm supposed to be doing. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. So you, it sounds like you were hesitant at first because you're like, oh, what? These aren't going to work at a bar. With yeah, like- because the stigma, the stigma against math is that everybody hates math. So that why would you want to bring that up? You're going to lose people's interest. And you do. I have. I've, I've definitely lost people's interest by talking about math. But those are... Those people, there's not a lot of those people actually. There, there's just, there's. I mean, I, I, I hate to just be mean and call them dumb, but it's the reason I call them dumb is because you're rejecting my whole stand-up act because you don't like a few words that I'm using. Yeah, you know, and I'm not even being offensive. I'm I know. talking about math, and it's like you know, so I, I, I just don't like where you draw your lines. Yeah, and that's why. That's what I think is. Strange. It is weird. People, some yeah. people truly fear math. It's so strange. Yeah, but it's. I don't blame them. It's the system. It's the system. It's the teachers. The education system doesn't help at all. No, and that's and that's and that's a large reason of why I I think this show is important. I think this show is important because, you know, I think more people need to. Not that I say more people need to be like me, but there needs to be more cool, approachable, relatable math teachers. And there are. I mean, there's a growing number of good, you know, academic content online. That, like Khan like, Academy is a savior for yeah, people, for sure. Yeah, yeah. And there, and there, and there's so many. I'm sure there's so many places you can get, you know, fun or, or relatively fun, informative, relatable tutorials online and stuff. Um, but nobody's ever really been mathematical and funny at the same time. <laughs> yeah, that is cool though to bring that to people because yeah. people need that definitely. Yeah. I know, like, I'm sure you've experienced this tutoring when you see that. Like once kids are in high school, they're like, they didn't learn the basic things. Yeah. And they're kind of just remembered what the teacher did on the board. And then they don't have a fundamental. No foundation. Like like people, it'll be like tutoring and maybe pre-calculus or something. And they don't know like algebra. Yeah, exactly. And that's because of the system. The system doesn't, the system doesn't teach you why things are. Um, but, But when you when you learn everything through rote and then you go like I did, you get to, you, you become a math major, you do upper division math classes in college, you suddenly learn why everything. Yeah. And that's when shit gets really fucking interesting. If you have, if you've passed, all, you know, if you've gotten through that bed of spikes that is the first layer of math that just makes you hate it because you don't understand why it's important or what the meaning is behind it, then you get to the theoretical shit and you're like, whoa, I'm, I mean, it's still fucking hard, but it's like, uh, it, it was just a shock that I even made it past that. Oh, that that level's hard as yeah. hell. How deep did you go in that stuff? How math? deep did I, I go? Mean, like what was? Well, like I, your... I did a full pure math major. Um, in, in Berkeley, you know, that's at Berkeley, hard. Yeah, and 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 I did you know I did all the basic classes, a couple extras, not a lot of extras. I didn't have a lot of time because I was a double major. So math and business. So I, oh. yeah, I mean I did kind of the bare minimum, but it was still I mean it was more than enough. And um, it was just learning why everything is, is just so interesting. And I think if people learned more why math is important. I talk a lot to my Russian friends because I'm so intrigued by how they learn math. And and they, and, and lo and behold, I mean, they start learning calculus in like, you know, when they're like 12, you know. And they learn a lot. Really? A lot of their math, the their, their early math curriculum is why. They learn why things That's are great. they are. And that's why they they have an inherent appreciation towards math. Yeah, that's so cool. Yeah. Um, in college, I took two upper div linear algebra, and um, the second one it was so hard. Upper my, div linear algebra. My brain um, is yeah. really broke. Yeah, I mean that's the one. That's usually the crossover point where you go from 
lower div to upper div is that first linear linear algebra class. And honestly, it's not even, I don't even think the curriculum is that insane, it, especially in retrospect. The linear algebra class is like a cinch once you get to the other ones. The problem is, is that you go from computation to formal proof writing. Uh-huh. And suddenly your skill set has to involve being a fluent proof writer and logician. Yeah, it was a, much right. proofs in right. that one. The, first, the basic linear algebra is not really. No, it's, it's just, just like matrices. Your, matrices stuff, are like doing whatever. computations. But when you get to operative division math, and so this is, and I, because I was failing my first three months of linear algebra upper div, what turned it around for me was a friend who took the proof, proof class, proof writing class, like an intermediate math class which is not required, at least where I was, he gave me his book and I studied how to write proofs and suddenly I was killing it. Yeah, that's cool. So you need that you, you need that intermediate phase of how to write proofs before you do operative math. That's cool that you know this stuff. I haven't talked to any other com comedians about math. That's awesome. Um, it's really cool though because in a weird way, I always, because I'm really logical and math oriented and I always think of... Um, comedy is like in a way it's like a proof like kind of i mean i always compare it to either like an essay well an essay in a way is like a proof because they're like logical you have like the yeah the thing you're trying to prove right. and then you just say a b c like show why this is true right so an essay and a proof are similar and then comedy like a joke is kind of like that your premise is your 100%. um what is it called? Your like hypothesis or whatever? Yes. So there's there's so many comedians, so many professional, amazing comedians who are using intense mathematical reasoning without even knowing it. They have no idea. And sometimes I'll hear a joke. It's like either there's like some numbers in it or something. And I'm like, that's a math joke. And this comedian doesn't even know it. It's crazy. They don't even know why it's a math joke. But it just killed. I think math jokes kill because people are inherently logical. So... You know, if you do a joke like that that, that that involves some kind of number or comparison of fractions, even if it's not bluntly mathematical, there's some there's some kind of mathematical reasoning involved um, because math logic is a subset. But of I actually think that in a way, jokes are kind of like flawed proofs intentionally, as in you will omit or exaggerate or fudge. A detailed to prove your joke hypothesis, yes. which clearly isn't true. Yes, because math is about definitions. So in comedy, you have to sway the definitions. Yeah, exactly. To fit your proof, but it's still the same thing because what is what is. It's, it's like it's, yeah, once you redefine the definition, yeah, you're now making, it's suddenly true. You're making the term. That's why it's funny, right? And you're 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 convincing the audience of these terms. It's like an irony of. Like your hypothesis is something like, oh, this sounds silly. Like this isn't true, and then you show that it's true, and they're like, oh, that's funny. Right. Yeah. Right. That's cool. 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 Um, I was also um, looking up on your um, page. Mm -hmm. uh, I saw on your blog that, and I thought this really caught my attention. I was strange. You, you were assaulted on stage. Yeah. This was um, this was a little over a year ago. Sorry for the um, crazy um, transition there. Not oh, really much care. of a segue. Um, what was that? That's That was insane to me. I haven't really... I mean, I would hear maybe stories about this kind of thing, but I haven't really talked to someone who's experienced that. That sounds terrible. And also, I mean, you don't have to talk about it if you don't want to. It wasn't that um, bad, really. I mean, oh. it wasn't that bad. It's just it was unexpected. And it was the setting. It was the where it happened, which was... It was at a corporate gig. And there was what? children there. It was a holiday party for a company where they brought their kids. 
So there was kids watching, you know, this guy. It, it was it was more just like this. They didn't do a good job of communicating what was going on, and this guy didn't understand that I'm contracted to do an hour performance just because he doesn't like me and he wants to bring back the DJ. Doesn't mean he can come up and grab the mic and end my performance before it's contracted time. Of course I'm going to fight back. Of course I'm going to grab the mic. Yeah. And that's when things got ugly. And he picked me up. He twirled me around. And he was about to body slam me, but he, I think, you know, he was drunk enough, but he was just sober enough to realize that that wasn't a good idea. HR was in the room. HR was staring at me as this was happening. The CEO was in the room. He had his face painted because they were doing face painting arts and crafts. Everybody was trashed. Everyone I was the only, like I was really the soberest one there. Yeah. I mean, so it was really just the the way everything happened and, and the where is what is what ticked me off. But, um, you know, it wasn't I wasn't hurt. Um, and uh, I wasn't hurt. It's just it's just one of those situations where it's just like people disrespect comedians and I don't appreciate it. That's crazy, man. Like, especially at a corporate event. Yeah. If like, your company hires me to perform for you for a certain amount of time, don't interfere with that shit. If you don't like it, fucking leave. Go do something else. This isn't you don't you don't own the company. You didn't write this contract. Wow. Was there any follow up with that thing? They, I mean, they kind of played it off. They didn't want to like hash over it or you know say it, any kind of admitting to it because that's a lawsuit for them, you know. Um, so I asked a lot of lawyers, got their opinions, and like nobody actually wanted to like stick their neck out for me, which I don't care. I'm not lawyers? like saying that. Yeah, like there's a lot of people like talk to me. I'm a lawyer, then I would tell them, and they'd be like, okay, well this is what you should do. No one you said sue or anything. A lot of people advised against the suing um, because that would be, become my reputation and places wouldn't want to book me for a corporate anymore because the word does get out. And I do hear that point. Um, you know, this was, this was also done through my college agent for a personal contact of hers at the company. So it was, she, she was kind of, you know, at stake as well. Um, nobody, I mean, nobody told me what to do or not to do. But, like, there was no lawyer that's like, hey, I'm going to call these people and fucking... I'm going to do the right thing and, you know, make a case out of this. No one did that. So if it was up to me to, like, call them and be like, hey, I didn't appreciate what happened, I was like, fuck that. I'm not going to do that. Wow. That's crazy. Um, How did you – do you feel like – I mean, that's obviously a terrible experience, but do you feel like you, like, changed or, like, um, learned some – I don't know. I mean, it sucks that you're a victim here, so I don't know how much you could, like – but. I'm just wondering, like, what do you get out of that? Um, I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's I definitely, like so yeah, I mean, I definitely became a better comedian out of it. There's no doubt. Every one of those shitty experiences makes you a better comedian. No yeah. doubt in my mind about that. Um, if anything, it's like because I, 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 I remember specifically just the, the, the gist of the feeling in the room was that it was everybody was trashed, and I was up there doing relatively clean corporate family-friendly comedy because there's kids there and the the mood in the room was for a little bit more chaos and not that kind of cleanliness corniness that you could say because i do a lot of puns I'm, I'm a corny comic but my shit's good i don't i don't doubt for a minute that my corniness is not earned yeah totally. but there's people who don't understand that and they just they hear certain things and they think it's corny. They don't get it. They see it in the wrong context. They don't see me in a place where I'm shining. And so they just assume that I'm some shitty, corny, clean corporate comic. Oh. And now, if anything, I own that even more. 
That's cool. Yeah. That's good. That's a good takeaway from yeah. that. Um, so, yeah, man, we talked about a lot of stuff. Um, do you have anything coming up soon? Just be on the lookout for figure blasts. It's going to be coming out. Sweet. Um, cool. Where can people find you online? Do you have Samuel Bade, S-A-M-M-Y-O-B-E-I-D, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, website, YouTube. Excellent. LinkedIn. Cool, man. Well, thanks so much. Thanks for having me. Hey guys, thanks so much for tuning into Working Comic Podcast. There's a new episode every week where I interview writers, directors, comedians, producers, any kind of creative thing you can think of, and also the business side of things. So club owners, agents, managers, festival runners, all that stuff. So tune in every week. And uh, also follow me on social media at the Austin Nasso on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And you can also catch me on YouTube with Chabros, C-H-A-A, bros, one word. Uh, We have some funny videos up, so check it out. Thanks, guys.